to the book of Psalms, Psalm 124, we begin a few weeks on a subject we're calling God's on my side. Hmm? You want to hear some more about it? God's on my side. Well, you just got through here and he wanted you to prosper. That's being on your side, isn't it? Definitely. He's as we, as folks say in Arkansas and Mississippi, he's for you, not again. He's not again you. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, what, what? <laughs> fur, people ask, are you fur or again? Are you for or against? <laughs> well, he's for you. In uh, Psalms, 124, verse 1, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, that have swallowed us up quick, their wrath was kindled against us, the waters would have overwhelmed us, the stream would have gone over our soul, the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who's not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Is the Lord on your side? Do you believe that? Psalm 118. Back up to that. Psalm 118 and verse 6, 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Now we're going to get into this more later, I believe. But when you believe this, your fear leaves. Why? Because you know, you know Who's with you? And that there's more with you than what's against you. Amen. Greater is he that's in you and with you. When, when we're full of fear, we're acting like he's not with us. We're not remembering that he's with us. The 23rd Psalm describes this. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, is the shepherd, a good shepherd, for the sheep or against the sheep? What does the good shepherd do? Anybody know the 23rd Psalm? Put it up on the screen for us, please. Verse 2, what does he do? He leads me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. Is that helping you or hurting you? Is he for you? Keep reading. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Keep going. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you be afraid? You're in the valley of the shadow of death. Death is around. Darkness is around in a situation where 
most people would be afraid. Why aren't you afraid? Why? I will fear no evil. Come on, read, read, your, read your text. Why? For you are with me. Not just with me to watch me as I spiral down the drain. But with me to help me. With me to guide me. With me to feed me. With me to protect me. With me to deliver me. Say that loud. God's with me. He said, I, I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're aware. God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Keep, keep reading. Let's read the rest of it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But again, you're not afraid and you're not intimidated into not receiving, even though the enemy is there. The Lord didn't tell you that uh, no enemy is going to be around. You're in this world, and in this world there are evil spirits, there's the curse, there's death, there's people that are not right. It's going to be around, but if you're more aware that he's with you than you are that they're there, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You can live like this the entire span of your life. You don't have to have breakdowns. You don't have to fear and dread and have collapses. You don't. You can know he's with you. And that can be so strong from the time you open your eyes. To the time you lay your head on the pillow at night. And all in between. And no matter what's going on. Or what the enemy's doing. Or who's there. Or what's wrong. You've got this abiding peace. And comfort. Because you know he's here. And he's for me. He's on my side. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say amen? amen. Psalm 118. Back to that. 118.7. He had said, verse 6, he said, the Lord's on my side, I'll not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 7, the Lord takes my part with them that help me. Hallelujah. Psalm 54, 4. Let's look at a couple of more of these. Psalm 54, 4. Just says it like this. Behold, God is my helper. Say that loud. God is my helper. Somebody might have said, I, I thought I was his helper. <laughs> Both are true. You're supposed to help him with what he tells you he wants done. But he's your helper. If we didn't have his help, uh, we wouldn't be much help. <laughs> God is my helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. And in 56.9, Psalm 56.9, when I cry to you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know. For God is for me. He said my enemies are going to turn back. Why? Because they got there and realized God was there. And they think, well, we can't. You know, we could take care of this guy, but God. And since God is on his side, 
They're just going to have to leave. My enemies will turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Say it out loud. God is with me. God's on my side. God is for me. In the New Testament, we read this in Romans 8 and 26. Romans 8, 26. He said, what shall we say? Excuse me, 31 is where we'll start for time's sake. Uh, he said, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, we know we have an adversary. We've ever t- already talked about that somewhat uh, an enemy that is against us. But what he's saying, who can successfully be against us? And in order, if God's for us, in order for the, our enemy to be successfully against us, they'd have to overcome him. And that just ain't going to happen. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Genesis. We were there earlier. Let's go back to the book of Genesis and the 12th chapter, Genesis 12. In verse 1, the Lord is speaking to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. Now we we mentioned earlier, uh, reading the scripture about Joseph, that God can prosper you anywhere. I should qualify that. He can prosper you anywhere except in disobedience. The geographic place doesn't matter. And the circumstances won't matter, won't prevent you from being successful and prospering if you're doing what he told you to do. Now, if you're defying him and ignoring him, then if he prospered you and promoted you, he would be confirming your disobedience and rebellion. He would be setting his plan aside and going with yours. He doesn't do that. He's not going to do that. It'd be wrong of him to do that. It would be bad for you and me for him to do that. He said, Abram, Get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, to a land, to a place I'm going to show you. You see this repeatedly. The Lord will tell you to get out of something and away from something. And if he does, if you say, well, I'm just going to use my faith and stay here and believe for it to be good anyway. It's not going to be. Because it's not that you're just in the wrong place physically. You're in a wrong place called disobedience. In a place called rebelling. So Abram had to obey. And notice what he said. Get out from your country, your kindred, your father's house. Verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. 
and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, this is a big part of what we call the blessing of Abraham. It's talked about in Galatians. It's talked about in other places, Romans. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You know, you can't be a blessing unless you are blessed, such as you have. That's what you give. You can't give what you don't have. Hmm? Whether it's knowledge, faith, love, money, stuff, whatever, support, such as you have, that's what you give. The more you have, the more you can give. Which is one of the reasons why the Lord is pleased <laughs> when you prosper. More ability. I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And read the next verse. I will bless them that bless you. And curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, I know some people take this verse and they only apply it to Israel. And I don't agree with that interpretation because of what Galatians says and what Romans says and what others say. We are the seed of Abraham. Is that right? Do I need to read any verses or not on that? Does anybody believe that this belongs to you? Do you? I think you might need a verse anyway. <laughs> Just put up on the screen, put up Galatians 3 and 7. You got to watch about people saying, now that's, that's just for Israel. That's for Israel. You need to ask a question. Who is Israel? Who is Man, there's a whole lot we could get into on that. Know you this, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Are you a faith person? Yes. You're a child of Abraham. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. How much clearer can you make it? That we, somebody say we, we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one to thy seed, which is Christ. When he's talking about Abraham's seed, the New Testament says he was talking about Christ. Christ is Abraham's seed. Are y'all with me? Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ. Is anybody in here claim that you are Christ? If you be Christ. Then are you. 
Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Are you Abraham's seed? Are you Christ's? Are you that by faith? Then if you believe the Bible, and this is not the only place that says this. If you believe the Bible, then you believe I am the seed of Abraham. And I am an heir to the promise and blessing God gave him. Do I need to camp on this anymore or do you believe it yet? Huh? Well, go back to Genesis 39 then. I'll accept your testimony. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Genesis. Hallelujah. What did I do? Go back to Genesis 12, what we just read. I said that to confirm this. This is the blessing of Abraham. Does it belong to us or not? Hmm? What did he say? I will bless them that bless you. Does this belong to us or not? I will curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now this is specifically talking about Jesus, the Christ. He is the seed of Abraham. And because of our faith in him, now we are also Christ's and the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. And through us, the earth is blessed. Hmm? Through the giving of the gospel, through the manifesting of the love of God and the power of God, we are the light of the earth. I'm talking about the whole church throughout the earth. We are the light of the world. We are, hallelujah, the salt and the light and the life. And God is blessing the earth through us. Do you believe that? Look in Exodus, the 23rd chapter, you see something similar along this line, the, the same concept. Exodus 23, 20, he told them in bringing them out of bondage into the promised land, he said, I'm, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Angels are real. Whether you ever see one or not, they're real. And they're sent. To minister for us and to us and help us do what we're supposed to do in this earth. I send an angel before you to keep you in the way to bring you into the place which I have prepared. In verse 22, he said, if you will indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak. Now today he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Then I'll be what? An enemy to your enemies. And an adversary to your adversaries. He told Abraham, this is part of the blessing of Abraham. I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. Here he said, I'll I'll be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. What's God for? He's for you. He's for me. 
Is he against anything? Yes. He's against what's against you. Is everybody awake? God is for you, but he's against what is against you. Hmm? And will be an enemy to your enemies. Think, I mean, this is all through the Word of God. Think about tithing. Why, why would he tell you to tithe? Now, I know some folks who ask just under the Old Testament. Again, did Jesus come to do away? <laughs> but actually, Abraham tithed before there was any law given. Is that right? And tithing, Jesus refers to tithing in the gospel accounts. Tithing is referred to in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, other places. Tithing is not about paying anything. Tithing is about honoring God, acknowledging who your source is. And it's about giving him access and a right to do things for you. Hmm? It's sad that a lot of people are missing out on this. Look in Malachi. I know a lot of you know this. You could quote it. But I want you to see it. Malachi 3, because it goes with what we're talking about. Malachi 3. Do we have to do it? No, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do it. Nobody's going to make you. But if you want the blessing, if you want the help, the benefits, then you need to do it. Malachi 3, he said, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, where, where have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me even this whole nation. Does he want you cursed or blessed? Blessed. Blessed. He's against what's against you. Keep that in mind. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. One of the uh, meat means food or provision in his house. If everybody tithed, there'd be so much money in the church. Is that right? There would be so much, there would be so much plenty and abundance in in churches everywhere. Many people don't. We're tithers in this church. Look, Look why. I see proof me now by bringing the tithes and offerings. If I won't open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it, keep going, and I'll what? I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. We had two or three things happen in the ministry just the last couple of weeks that's just evidence of this. Looked like we were going to need to have this or buy this or replace this or spend this. And next thing you know, no, you don't. No, you don't. You're fine. You're good. Not going to need it. That's the blessing of the Lord. Hmm? I mean, God caused his people even in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. Is that right? And their clothes. You can have the longest running refrigerator in the county. 
Hmm? <laughs> you shouldn't have to get rid of your car because it won't run. Just because you want another one. Right? You should have stuff that works so good and lasts so long, you'll just get tired of looking at it. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. Which also could make it a good seed. Is that right? A lot of times I pray over stuff when we receive it. And I say this will serve us well. All the time we keep it. And then after it leaves us. It will bless the next people. That get it. When it leaves us it will bless them too. Because it's blessed. We prayed over that airplane. (laughs) We're talking about it at the hangar just recently. This is a blessed airplane. It flies trip after trip with no problems. Hallelujah. And if there is something we need to do, uh, Jeremiah's anointed to, to, to take care of it. And, is that right? And, and we, we don't waste any money. How many know that a, a big part of prosperity could just be the doctor visits you didn't have to make, the divorce court you didn't have to go through, Come on, are you listening? The lawsuits you didn't have to. I mean, just those things can be a big bump in prosperity. It's not just getting money and making money. It's keeping some of it. Instead of the enemy just chipping away and robbing and stealing. This is part of the blessing of the tither. That it gives God a right to be an enemy to your enemy. When the enemy tries to mess with you, God gets between you and him and rebukes him, and that's the end of it. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Makes them, whether they want to or not. (laughs) Makes them. My, my. I'll rebuke the devourer. Does that sound good to you or not? I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. You'll be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Glory to God. Everybody that sees you ought to see how blessed you are, how long your stuff lasts, how good everything works for you. How you go month after month and no problems. Is that right? Month after month. Now something comes up, you deal with it. You overcome it, but you shouldn't. It's not normal for us to to lose things and be hit with unexpected things. Come on, are you with me? Things that you really don't shouldn't have to do. This is not blessing, that's curse. And you're not cursed. You're blessed. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. It pleases Him when you do well, when you increase. God is for us. And that includes Him being against what is against us. Does that sound right to you? Say that loud, He's for me. He's against my enemies. He's against what is what is evil. He's against what is is bad. He's against 
what is bad for you and bad for me. Now, when you understand this and you see what the scriptures say, we need to be on the right side of what he's for. What am I talking about? Well, let me, let's read some scriptures. Uh, let, let, me, let me just, this may not have been something you've heard a whole lot about, so let me give you some more scriptures. Let's just lay a real, real strong foundation. Don't try to turn to all these, just, just jot them down. Jeremiah 30 and 20, talking about his people. He said, I will punish all that oppress them. Zechariah 2.8, he said, he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. Um, put up on the screen Matthew 12 and 30. Matthew 12 and 30. Jesus said this, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. The worst mistake anybody could ever make is to side against him. And even though he's for you, that doesn't mean he's automatically for everything you decide to be for. Is everybody awake? It doesn't, just because God is for you doesn't mean he's for everything you want to do. Because you may want to do something that's bad for you. You may want to do something that would hurt you. And he's against what's against you. Are you awake? If you're for doing something that will destroy you and mess up your life, he cannot help you do that. No matter how much you pray. No matter how much you ask for his help, he's not going to help you destroy yourself. Because he's for you. Hmm? And you don't want to side with his enemies. If, a, if two countries or two armies are at war, and you know they're about to fire missiles at this particular place, what should you do? <laughs> if you're anywhere around that place, what, what should you do? Come on, help me out. You should leave that place because there's incoming. And you don't want to be there when it gets there. <laughs> and I don't care if you had built you some nice stuff there or if you like some of the place there. Missiles are coming. What do you need to do? <laughs> you need to get out of that place. You need to uh, disassociate yourself from what is being targeted. What is being destroyed. You don't want to be for. What he's against. He's for you. But that doesn't mean. He's automatically for everything. You decide to be for. 
Because if it's against you, if you don't have enough sense to know that, he's not going to join in with you. And some things, if judgment's about to come on it, even though he's for you, if you decide to move in with it, then you're going to be there when the missiles land. And it won't be because God was against you. It'll be because you didn't leave. You didn't get out of it. Did you notice what he told Abram to begin with? Get out of here. Leave here. Leave this. Well, isn't God everywhere? Can't he bless you anywhere? Yes, except in disobedience. (laughs) He can bless you in any geographic location. But if he told you to leave here and go there, you're not, and you don't do it, then you're not safe. You're not okay. There were many reasons why he told you to leave and go there that you, you don't know and he's not going to tell you. Because you know what you need to know if you're going to walk by faith. <laughs> In Psalm 2, let's look at some more scriptures. Psalm 2 and in, in verse uh, 2. Why do the heathen rage? We just read this recently, didn't we? Oh, that was weak. I said not too long ago, we, we all read. Am I right or am I? Because everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And right now we're reading Psalms. Yes, we are. And we read this one not long ago. And it said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth do what? Set themselves and the rulers take counsel together of what? Against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Most of this planet population is in rebellion Against the Lord. Every religion. I'm not saying other than Christianity. Because true Christianity is not a religion. Every religion. Is born out of rebellion. Every one of them. They're born out of rebellion. Somewhere, some back, somewhere back before this came into being, their forefathers knew about God. And somebody did this. Let's break his bands and, and cast away his cords. And so they came up, whether it was the golden calf or whether it was Baal or whether it was some other thing. All of it's born out of rebellion against God. And uh, so what they did then is took a stand against the Lord. In Malachi 3, we were just there. I guess I should have read it when we were there. Malachi 3.13, he said, your words have been what? Stout against me. Are there people who are against the Lord? Are there people who have embraced what he is against? Yes, and that is one of the 
most foolish things you could ever do because you put yourself at odds with him and if you embrace what he's going to judge hell the Bible said was for the devil and his angels it wasn't even really made for men I don't think but why are men going to go because they have embraced what's going there can you see this And people are going to be judged, not because God's against them, but because they have joined to what is getting judged. They were warned, missiles are coming, right? And they didn't leave. The Bible said, remember Lot's wife. Isn't that exactly what happened to her? You talk about the mercy of God. Lot is part of Abram's family. He took this boy in, treated him as his son. He's a close relative, but he wasn't his son. But he treated him like a son. And he prospered. Lot became a rich man. Him and Abram had so many cows and so much livestock and so much stuff, it was too much for the land to contain. And uh, Abram, being a man of God, he said, uh, we can't have this strife and this fussing and fighting between our herdsmen and between our employees. Uh, Tell me what you want to do. You take what you want and I'll go the other way. You pick, I'll take the the rest. Tell me what you want to do. He's the patriarch. He's the friend of God. Come on, are you listening? He's the man of faith. What should Lot have done? Had a cow sale. Come on here with him. He wouldn't even have any cows. If it wasn't for Abram. He wouldn't have a family. If it wasn't for Abram. Can you, can you see all this? And yet. He takes the best for himself. And leaves his father in the faith. And the patriarch. With the scrubby stuff. And then after that. He goes downhill quick. Not long after that, him and his whole family is living in the most wicked city on the earth. Why? Why you want to move there? Why you want to see that and hear that night and day? But the mercy of God. The Lord gave Abram an opportunity to intercede. You remember that? Came to visit him. Why? Told him what's about to happen. Why? So he could ask him to spare Lot. Why? Because Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed. It's about to be wiped off the face. And Lot's in there. And his wife and his kids. And so Abraham pled the case. You remember the story. Even got down to ten. Lord, if there's ten there, would you spare the place for ten? I'm sure he thought with, with Lot and his family, there's ten. I know I got that, but he was wrong. He was wrong. There wasn't ten people in that whole big, those whole big cities that cared about God, that was right. 
And so because of that, when the word was given and the angels were sent, they came and told Lot, we can't do anything till you leave. You remember that? We got to get you out of here. Oh, the mercy of God. Shouldn't They shouldn't have been there. Is everybody listening? They shouldn't have ever even been there. And yet the mercy of God. And they and they're hum hawing around and they won't leave and they won't leave. And finally the angels got a hold of them and said, Don't look back. And what happened though? Lot's wife looked back, and this is not just a, a, a mistake, a lapse of awareness. She has attached herself to this place. She doesn't want to leave it. It's an evil place. If you love things that are bad, something's wrong with you. You've let it get in you. And she was, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah happened to her. It became salt. She became salt. Was it God's will for her to become a pillar of salt? God did everything you could ever ask anybody to do. Is that right? To get them out of there. They were almost physically carrying her. But she in her heart had joined herself to that. And so when it got destroyed, she got destroyed. You want to be for what God is for. And not associated with what he's against. Can you see that? Look in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation 18, Revelation 18, you know the same thing happened while you're going there in number 16, don't turn there, you're going to Revelation But the same thing happened with Korah and Dathan and Abiram that rose up against uh, Moses and Aaron. And the Lord told them, tell everybody, get their stuff away from them. You remember reading that? Let me read it. Don't don't turn there. You're going to Revelation. But on the screen, please put number 1626. Number 1626, he spoke to the congregation and said, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest what? Lest you be consumed in all their sins. Why? Judgment's about to come. So what's the Lord saying? Get away from them. Why? Because he's for you. But you don't want to be joined to what he's against. Do you see this, friends? Oh, yeah. yes. Well, that's, that's Old Testament. Revelation is New Testament. And I'm going to give you another two or three New Testament as well. Revelation 18:4. I heard a, a voice from heaven saying what? Come out of her, my people. Why? That you be not partakers of her sins and you receive not of her plagues. Talking about judgment was coming on Babylon. And what's he saying to his people? Is he for his people? Yes, he is. Then he doesn't want what was going to happen to Babylon to happen to them. What's the solution? Get out of there. Now, the blessing of Abraham. I, 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. What was the first verse, though? Get out of here. Leave this place. Go where I'm going to show you. Come out of her so that you won't be a partaker of what's going to happen to her. In the New Testament, I'm uh, just put this on the screen as well. Second Corinthians six, Second Corinthians six seventeen, he said, "Come out from among them and be ye separate." Is this New Testament? Am I reading New Testament scriptures? Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you and be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 Timothy 5. I know I'm giving you several scriptures, but I can't say anything that's more important than what we're reading. 1 Timothy 5.22, he said, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. You don't want to be for what he's against. You don't want to be associated and joined to what he's against. He's for you, but he's not for what's against you. He's against what's against you. Second John says this, and this is, I mean, this is enlightening how far this goes. Second John 9, just one chapter in Second John. Second John 9, well, that's in verse uh, 9. Whoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. Can people have God without Jesus? This says no. Jesus himself told the leaders of the Jews, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I'm quoting him. Does that mean they're going to be okay? No. If If you don't accept Jesus, you're not okay. I don't know of any exceptions to that. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If you receive Jesus, you do have the Father. Hallelujah. You have the Father and the Son. Keep going. If there come to you any and they don't bring this doctrine, they're trying to say Jesus is not necessary. There are many ways to God. People can be saved by faith in God while rejecting Jesus. Any of these things. Don't receive him into your house. Should we take this seriously or not? Don't bid him Godspeed. That's that's just rude. Read the next verse. For he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. You don't want to help anybody... Do what God is against. You want to watch what you give to. What you support. Right? You know, uh, and and, and I believe that when the Lord joins a partner to a ministry, again and again, that's going to be for long term. It could be for life. Unless they start preaching something they shouldn't preach. And they quit preaching the truth. Whether it's me or whoever it is. Are you following? 
You don't want to help somebody confuse the body of Christ and lead people away from Jesus and into destruction. You don't want to be any part of that. Do you? No, you don't. So we need to pray and be led. And yeah, it's not uncommon for the Lord to deal with you to be a partner of something and to be that for years or decades. And yet, don't just assume, check your heart year to year. Y'all with me? Check up and see. Is everything still okay? They're still doing what the Lord told me to help them do? You know, the old westerns, uh, this scene has been repeated many times, that there's this guy who's a real gunslinger. I mean, he's fast on the draw. And they're out doing something, and they wind up out in the west somewhere in the desert where there's snakes and other things. And, And all at once, the quick draw guy pulls his gun out and points it right at somebody, and they're like, what in the world is going on? Is he going to shoot me? And he goes, pow, 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 pow. And he gets the rattlesnake that was just about to bite you. But they thought for sure he had drawn on them and was going to shoot them, but he wasn't trying to shoot them at all. And I think this has been confusing to people sometimes when all at once they found themselves looking down the barrel. And they thought, is God going to shoot me? No. He's not aiming at you, but you need to move. <laughs> you need to move. You are too close to the line of fire. Come on, can you see this or not? You need to move. Why? Because that snake was about to hurt that man. So this person was against, with deadly force, what was endangering them and about to hurt them. God is against what's against you. The wages of sin is death. He's not against, he's not trying to spoil your fun. Right? He's against sin because it'll destroy you. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your finances. It'll destroy your health. Well, the Lord says, don't do this. Stay away from this. Separate yourself from this. It's not about you being holier than thou and feeling superior to somebody else. He's saying, get out of the way so I can shoot that. Hmm? Judgment's coming. You don't want to be around it. Hmm? You want to be well clear. Let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 6 is in the New Testament. Let's back up and read some more of it. I'm just about done. Second Corinthians 6. Somebody said out loud, God is for me. He's on my side. He's with those. He's with that which helps me. Is good for me. He's against that which is against me. I know in Bible school years ago, Brother Mel Piper was one of our instructors. And we were studying some things in the Old Testament. And we're studying judgment. A lot of things about judgment. And uh, 
God will smite and God will judge. We, if you were here last week, went into some detail about that and saw what's actually happening. But there are going to be some things you don't fully understand. And I, he could tell at one point we were all kind of quiet and, and we're studying judgment, you know, in the Old Testament. And he stopped and, and he just said this. He said, listen, no matter what you understand or don't understand, always stay on God's side. Man, that went right into my spirit. I remember it like it was yesterday. I thought that's some of the best advice I ever heard. Always stay on God's side. See, the enemy will come try to get you against God. Get you to feel miffed at God. Get you to question Him. Question, isn't that what He did with Adam and Eve? Did God say that? And imply, you're not going to die. Why did He tell me then? He just wants to keep you away from that because He knows you get this, you're going to be like Him. Implication, he wants to keep you down, keep you under him, keep you from something that could help you reach your full potential. He is so crafty. He's so tricky. He's such a liar. You got to make up in your heart and mind if you want to be safe. I am on God's side. No matter what I see or what I don't see, what happens. Well, why did God do this? Well, if he did, he must have had a good reason. Why didn't God do that? Well, if he didn't, he had a good reason. He's perfectly, he perfectly righteous. He's perfectly just and fair. And when you find out what it is, you'll go, oh, I see. Well, that makes perfect sense. I think for the first several years in heaven, we're going to be, you're going to hear that all over the place. Oh, oh, no wonder. Oh, well, of course. Oh. Because down here we know so little. We see so little. But how many believe in, like the Black Romans says, let God be true and every man a liar that you may be justified when you are condemned. What does that mean? Men are condemning God. And they're accusing Him of being unfair. And it's not true. I said it's not true. Are you on God's side? Make up your mind. Say it out loud. I will always. Be on, stay on, God's side. If he's for it, I'm for it. If he's against it, I'm against it. I'm with him. I'm with him. What side you on? Whatever he said. <laughs> Brother Hagin said years ago, he was laying hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came to this husband and wife uh, standing there. And this guy's looking. This is all new to him. He'd never been anything like this. And he says, uh, uh, what would you come for? And uh, uh, somebody said something about the Holy Spirit. He said, you come to receive the Holy Spirit? And he looked at his wife. He said, if she say I do, I do. <laughs> well, he received. Hallelujah. And he did need to receive. But we need to be like that with God. If he say I do, I do. Whatever he says, that's it. Right? If he says it's right, it's right. If he says it's what we do, it's what we do. And if he says don't do that, then we don't do it. Even if your flesh wants to do it, in your heart, side with him. Side with him. Side with him. 
before what he's for. He's for you. Do you believe he's always got your best interest at heart and mind? He's not trying to take anything away from you. If he tells you to stop doing something, he's not trying to spoil your fun. He's not trying to curtail and and, and shorten your uh, enjoyment of life. It's going to hurt you. You just don't know, know it yet. You just don't realize it yet. If he, he is against anything that's against you. Because he's for you. We know that in human to human relationships. Phyllis and I as pastors, we're for you. But that doesn't mean we're automatically for anything you decide to do. Right? If we can see something's going to hurt you, and after decades in the ministry, we've seen things happen and not happen. We've seen, you see some of the same things happening. And some people don't understand. They thought, well, they're against me. No, just because I whipped out my pistol. (laughs) It might look like, well, he's pointing right at me. Yeah, but I'm not against you. I'm against that thing that's on your shoulder trying to hurt you. Come on, can you see this? I'm not against you. But it can look that way. It can feel that way. But it's not that way. It's the love of God is really motivating. (laughs) So can you see, sometimes people think, well, they wouldn't do what I wanted to do. They don't love me. No, they can love you more than you love you. They can see this is going to hurt you. And so they're they're not for it. We've had people, Phyllis and I, have had people get upset at us because we didn't agree with what they were going to do in ministry. And maybe they had been around us for some time, and they they said, we're going to do this. And we thought, okay. And we we didn't bless them. We didn't send them off. We didn't, and it made them mad. It upset them. But what they didn't realize, and what's been proven out over the years now, it didn't go good for them. The Lord wasn't in it. Come on, are you listening? We would have misrepresented the Lord if we had acted like it was the Lord. And if we had supported it. Come on, can you see this? It's not that we weren't for them or didn't care for them. But I'm I'm not just representing myself. We're supposed to represent Him. He's, and if you don't see it yet, he already knows there's no future to what you're talking about. And it's only going to hurt you. You're only going to wind up in the wrong place. But if it's the Lord, man, we're glad for you. We know we're not the only thing going. We're glad for you. If you can, if the Lord's in it, but if the Lord's in it, you're going to wind up doing more for the Lord. Not less. You're not going to wander around and flop and wander around and change your mind 20 times and start over 20 times. Come on, can you see this? That's hurting you. That's a lot of marriages don't make it through that. A lot of people's health doesn't make it through that. No. If the love of God and Spirit of God's directing, then the Lord and the people involved, they're for you. But they don't mean they're for everything you decide to do if it's going to hurt you, if it's going to mess you up. Said out loud, he's for me. And he's for what's for me. He's against. What's against me? Let's read it again. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter. He started at the chapter saying, We're workers together with him. Verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? A lot of folks have they've taken some good ideas, but they've ignored Scripture. They were delivered from drinking, but they want to go back into bars and witness to people. <laughs> and that's how a lot of people mess up. Next thing you know, they're drunk again. They were delivered from you know, having sex with everybody that they could. And yet, they think, well, I want to help people in that area. Did the Lord tell you to? Because a lot of these folks, he'd tell them what he told Abraham, you need to leave this. You need to leave this whole area. Get out and go over here. You're not the only one he can use to minister to people. And... He's saying, don't be yoked together with this. Don't have communion with this. People a lot of times think they're stronger than they are. But especially something that the Lord delivered you from. You want to stay completely away from it. Is everybody awake? Are you? You want to stay away from it. Verse 15. What conquered as Christ with Belial? What part has he that believes with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You're the temple of the living God. God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Does that sound like he's for you every hour of the day and night? Is he for you when you come, when you go, when you get up, when you lay down? Living in you, walking in you. Somebody say, he's my God. He's my God and he is for me. But what's he saying? Separate yourself from this. Why? Because judgment's going to come on that. The wages of sin is death. If you join yourself to that, it's going to hurt you. You can't do it without it hurting you. 17. Wherefore do what? Come out from among them. Them what? All the things, the unrighteousness, the unbelief, the uncleanness, the darkness, the things that are of the enemy, things that are of the infidels. You got to watch about hanging around intellectuals. There's a lot of people that were so weak in their faith at home that when they went to university, they lost their faith. Because a lot of them wasn't even hardly in church before they went. Our young people are going to be better prepared. Yes. Our children. You watch and see. But a lot of people hardly had any foundation. And then when they get there, don't go to church. Don't read their Bible. Don't pray. All they hear is these wrong spirits spouting this infidel stuff. Can you see that? And if all you hear are the lies and you're not hearing any truth, most people are not strong as they think they are. Wind up in a bad place. What's he saying? Come out from among them. Doesn't mean you can't minister to people, but you can't live in that. You can't think that and hear that and talk about that all the time. Come out. Be separate. Is there supposed to be a difference? Between us and the world. Is there? Don't touch it. And I will receive 
you and be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Does this sound like he's for me? He's for me. He's for me. He's for me. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thanks be to God.